This is a Dubai Eye 103.8 podcast. Hi there, good to have you along for this podcast. And I was joined by William Mullally, our movie critic. What he doesn't know about film ain't worth knowing, let me tell you. And he gave us the lowdown on what he thought of the new Ant-Man movie. And we talked about all the latest movie gossip as well. Enjoy the podcast and join me live on the show weeknights 8 through 10, right here on Dubai Eye 103.8. You're listening to the UAE's number one talk radio station. This is The Night Shift with Mark Lloyd. On Dubai Eye 103.8. Welcome back into the show and William Mullally, our movie critic. He's been out watching uh, all the big titles this week. One of them is Ant-Man, of course, uh, Quantum Mania. And uh, William, you've also been chatting to some of the people behind this. Um, so what makes it such an interesting movie? Honestly, so we're now dozens and dozens of movies into the Marvel world. And one thing that we have talked about on this show over and over again as we were in phase four, which is basically this, this era of movies since, you know, this gigantic movie um, was, was once the biggest movie of all time and now has moved down the list because James Cameron reasserted his dominance on the movie industry, Yeah, um, which was Endgame. And Endgame was the conclusion to this more than a decade-long story that was, you know, this great story of Thanos and the Infinity Stones. And it was an absolute epic and a wonderful, wonderful conclusion. The question was, who was going to be our next big bad? You know, who was going to be the one to, to really push things forward? We had lots of different characters running around. And now in this film, it finally becomes clear who that's going to be. We see him in his menacing glory for the first time. And it is Jonathan Majors, who's one of my favorite actors working today, as Kang the Conqueror. And absolutely, from start to finish, he steals this film he is so so good i love him as an actor and i'm fascinated by him as a character basically he is this time traveler from you know centuries and centuries in the future who is able to travel through the multiverse and when we meet him here he is basically in exile he is a character who has been lost in the quantum realm which is basically the subatomic universe that we met in the the previous ant-man films and also in avengers But there he has been stuck because all of the other people in the universe have locked him there because he had done too much damage in other universes. He had already killed the Avengers. He had already taken over the world. But now he was lying in wait. And he turns this quantum realm into his own kingdom. And that is where we finally have Paul Rudd and Evangeline Lilly and the stars of Ant-Man meet him down in this quantum realm and set up this gigantic conflict and what is ultimately going to be the next phase of the Marvel world that will be culminating in Avengers, the Kang Dynasty, coming in 2025. So this is the start of a big, big story. Wow. So it's, um, as you say, the start of something super, super big. And it sounds to me like, from your perspective, the actual Ant-Man isn't the biggest kind of, isn't the star of the show here. Well, I think we've seen Paul Rudd so many times in this character. It's not that he's not the star of the show. It's just that he's not the thing that makes you go, wow. Because at this point, he's a known commodity. The reason this movie even exists is really just because of how much we like Paul Rudd. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's someone that people like so much that there's literally a pro wrestler named Orange Cassidy who bases his entire character on Paul Rudd in the movie Wet Hot American Summer. Um, there, there's a commercial that he and Michael Douglas did 
um, eight years ago for the first Ant-Man film, where they're literally just slapping their leg and chest and screaming ants that I've watched probably 200 times because it is so good. Yeah. There's a magic to Paul Rudd. And having the chance to, to sit down with him to talk about this film, those are the two things I had to ask him. And his answers both surprised me. First, are you aware that there's a wrestler who has based his entire character on you in Wet Hot American Summer? No. His name is Orange Cassidy. You need to look into that. It is a real thing. I'm not joking. That's am- That's amazing. <laughs> How, how do I not know this? I don't know. Well, you need to know me. this. Excellent. Okay, I do. And two, um, can you please give me an oral history of that promo you and Michael Douglas did where you just scream ants and slap your stomachs? That that was, to yeah. me, it's my favorite moment probably of this entire franchise. First of all, thank you. <laughs> no one's ever even asked me about this. Um, we had to do a day. This was like the first, first for the first movie. We had a day where, where you're just doing like these promos and... I'd never done anything like this where you have to do these like little, they'd written out little sketches or, or like what, whatever it was. Some of them just seemed so ridiculous that Michael and I were standing around and I we, we just thought like, let's just say ants a bunch of times. I don't even know exactly, remember exactly how it came out, but it's, I think we liked the idea that it was just stupid. It was just dumb. And I didn't imagine that it was going to actually be a thing. Um, but it was just like this and ants and ants. I don't know. It was just strange. And to the, and I'm, I'm with you. It's like, well, that's so weird. Maybe it'll work. I still show it. And to here we are. Here we are. Eight years later talking about it. So I love it that Michael went with it too. He was, he sold it. Well, there's uh, Paul Rudd, of course, who uh, he is in the, the new movie, Ant-Man, uh, Quantum Mania. I'm talking about his roles um, in there. Um, let's hear the trailer then for this film. You're an interesting man, Scott Lang. You're an Avenger. You have a daughter. But you've lost a lot of time, like me. We can help each other with that. Who are you? I'm the man can give you the one thing you want what's that time well there's the trailer for uh, ant-man um is it going to be packing out the cinemas william do you think yeah and I, I think honestly the thing that people really should be you know getting ready for is how amazing jonathan majors really is in this role he's just he, he reminds me a lot and this might be a, a unique comparison but he reminds me of ray fines Okay. Because he's one of those actors who can take whatever you give him on the page, you know, even if it's just would be a throwaway line for another actor and fill it with meaning and fill it with feeling and just bring something great. He's just he has this feeling where you don't really know what he's going to do next, like this unpredictable quality, his performance that I just really, really love. And so when I was able to speak with Peyton Reed, the director, it was all about the gestation of how they crafted Kang to be what he is in this film that I had to know more about. I really wanted Ant-Man and the Wasp, who are kind of always considered, you know, on the lower end of Avengers in terms of like their power set, right? I wanted to pit them against a really formidable villain and, and start off things from with this very sort of lopsided confrontation. Um, Kang was a character I knew as a kid from the comics, and we talked to Kevin and the idea that Kang could be the next big antagonist in this next phase. Um, but 
I love Jonathan. And so when I cast Jonathan in this thing, I, I knew all his work. I'd seen everything he'd ever done. Um, and I always tell the story about like watching Hostels in which he has a very tiny role and he's lying, you know, dying in a bed as Christian Bale, you know, it's really Christian Bale's scene. He's sitting next to him and, and talking to him. But you cannot take your eyes off the guy in the bed. And it's Jonathan. And just watching him in The Five Bloods and Last Black Man in San Francisco, Lovecraft Crown, everything. There's always a, a truth to his performance. He is a chameleon. He can do so many different things, but he just has this presence that I think actors either have or don't have. And as you know, he's a classically trained actor. He went to North Carolina School of the Arts and, and Yale Drama, and he's, he's just the real deal. So for Kang, you know, I needed somebody who was physically imposing, which Jonathan certainly is, but someone who was really soulful and hyper-intelligent and knowing that Kang is a, a, a nexus being, right, and they're, they're Kang variants, someone who could pull it off and, and relish the idea of playing all these different versions. But for this movie, I liked bringing that really, really – uh, you know, grave energy, this different vibration, as Jonathan says, into the Ant-Man movies, which are generally, you know, light, lighter movies and, and more comedic. Rudd and I talked early on about we really wanted to, to beat Scott Lang up in this movie. Whatever happened in Endgame happened. They defeated Thanos, but, you know, he's resting on his laurels at the beginning of this movie, but to really shake things up and, and create a different energy, make the movie more epic, but also like create a, a, a nuanced antagonist for them to face off with. Jonathan was just a guy. He's a powerhouse. Well, that's the director then of uh, the movie. And uh, interesting conversation with uh, William Mullally about uh, what is probably the, the big one um, to go along and see this week. That's uh, Ant-Man, of course. And uh, what's Quantumania? Is, what an unusual title, isn't it? <laughs> kind of a, a mouthful. It's kind of a, <laughs> I think it, it works for the film. Like There is just like this a manic quality to this because basically... It ultimately becomes this sci-fi pastiche. It feels a lot like, you know, the, the sort of, you know, pulp paperbacks and comics, you know, all, you know, that would come out in like the 50s, 60s and 70s, just all thrown into a blender. And it's just obviously like, I, I think it's going to be like people with a lot of surprises and the sorts of things they throw out um, in this world. But it can be overwhelming. So I was really glad that we did have this one you know, central performance that really held this entire thing together because there's so many crazy sci-fi ideas here that without him, I, I think this entire you know, deck of cards would have just completely fallen apart. But you know, luckily they were able to, to center it, much like they did with Infinity War, center it on the villain and everything else falls into place. We'll come back with more movie conversation with the one and only William Mullally. You're listening to the UAE's number one talk radio station. This is The Night Shift with Mark Lloyd on Dubai Eye 103.8. Welcome back. Um, William Mullally is joining us, our movie critic, to talk all things movies. We've taken a look at uh, Ant-Man. Sad news, of course, um, last week, William, with uh, the sad death of, of Raquel Welsh, aged 82. And it took me right back. I remember one million years BC, watching that as a very young lad. <laughs> and, and and just wondering how they got those dinosaurs onto the screen. I mean, in its day, that was the ultimate dinosaur movie. No, really. And I think she was just absolutely iconic in that film. You know, I think there were, she was just one of those, you know, people that she would be up on like every poster in every, you know, yeah. dorm or every you know, young man's, um, you know, apartment in their early 20s. Like she just had this iconic quality that people just gravitated towards. 
And I, I think it's one of those things that very few people have ever matched in history. You know, I think every time we have this sort of, you know, iconic performance um, that's equivalent to it, it's just compared back to it and never in a way that tops it. I think it's just she had one of these qualities that really just could never um, be equaled. And it's, you know, she did have a long and fruitful for career, you know, working across you know, many different films, uh, working across a lot of comedies. Yeah. I don't think she ever really topped um, A Million Years B.C., she did win a Golden Globe, though, for um, her role in The Three Musketeers, which I, I wasn't aware of. Well, that's true. But you know how I feel about the Golden Globes. Yes. That's not a real award show. <laughs> ah, okay. <laughs> Moving swiftly on. <laughs> uh, good news, apparently, for fans of Spider-Man, as uh, Kevin Feige, um, the president of Marvel, has come out and said that the story is set for Tom Holland's fourth movie as Spider-Man. What do we make of that? Yeah, I think Kevin Feige has, you know, he keeps these things so, so close to his chest. Um, or maybe you can say under his hat because he's always wearing a baseball cap at all times. Right. But I think this one is no surprise for me. I think it was inevitable. But the big question for me is how they're ever going to follow up that last film. Honestly, as I've said before, this wasn't a film that I actually enjoyed. It was a film that I thought was just too much. They were good. Like all having all these Spider-Men together, I think triggered a lot of people's nostalgia buttons and made them not notice that this wasn't actually a good, well put together film. The comedy was clunky. The characterization was weird. The villains just decided to become villains once it became convenient for the plot. I would be so excited to watch Tom Holland stretch his muscles and do something that is really centered on him, centered on the character, much more streetwise. Yeah. I don't know how audiences are going to respond to that because if you've given audiences an expectation that things are going to get bigger and bigger and bigger, how do you go small from there? So I don't know how this next film is going to roll out. I don't know how they're going to do it, but I'm happy to see that Tom Holland's going to be back because I think he's still my favorite Spider-Man. Uh, another thing I want to touch on, I know you recently you interviewed Brian Cranston, and um, I was reading an article. He's come out and said uh, that he would love to star in a musical biopic of Willie Nelson, of all people. So uh, that's who he would like to play if he does a musical biopic. I think he could do it rather well. I think so, too. I mean, I'm obviously slightly resentful of the fact that he didn't tell me that in our interview, <laughs> but <laughs> be that as it may, I, I think he would do a tremendous job with that. Um, but at the same time, I would just be really curious to see whether he'd be wearing a wig or he would spend three years growing out his hair. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Lovely. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> braid out of it because that that takes work. That's and I think he's a he's a dedicated actor, so we might have a good ten year span before he's able to have a, a luscious mane as we have with Sir Willie, Willie Nelson. Yeah, what was it? What was he like to chat to? He, I, I think he's very very funny in general. Yeah, but when we spoke, it was about you know very serious project. <laughs> it happens sometimes with these actors. It's like I want to sit there and banter with. Like you just heard me with. With Paul Rudd, we're having a grand old time because we're talking about a comedy. But we're talking about something where a guy's going through the redemption after his wife and son have been murdered, and now he needs to claw back out of getting out of jail. Hard to crack a joke. So yeah, I hope right. we're able to talk again for something a bit funnier yeah. because I want to crack into that you know, classic Brian Cranston charm. Uh, finally, before I let you go, um, there's been a casting announcement for Deadpool 3. Um, alongside Ryan Reynolds and Hugh Jackman will be Emma Corrin, um, who's uh, been in season four of uh, of The Crown on Netflix. 
and I, I my behind the scenes um, sources can confirm that she's playing the villain, yeah. and they can also confirm that she can totally beat up Hugh Jackman and <laughs> Ryan Reynolds. Like she is much stronger than she appears. She's already done it. Actually, she just made Hugh Jackman cry like repeatedly. So I don't know how this is going to go because he has emotionally prepare for for seeing her again. But I think she's going to do a tremendous job. So she sounds like a boss lady in this movie. You have no idea. <laughs> William, you are a superstar. Thank you so much for being with us. It's got to be Ant-Man, of course, at uh, the cinemas this week. Uh, we'll catch you again in another week's time. You've been listening to a Dubai Eye 103.8 podcast. To enjoy lots more from Dubai Eye in the United Arab Emirates, just go to DubaiEye1038.com or find them wherever you normally get your podcasts.